I risked a quarter million trying to make half a million and I actually lost it all. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and fellow risk takers. We're talking from Detroit Rock City and I want to welcome you. To my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. And I want to thank you for joining that mission today. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guests from Detroit Rock City, Jason Brown. Jason, are you ready to join the mission? Andrew, I'm I'm ready and I'm excited to join the mission, brother. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about how I grew up in Cleveland and Detroit, of course, you know, right around the corner. And my father was working for DuPont and he lived in Cleveland, but he drove to Detroit all the time to meet with the automotive companies to help them get plastics and fibers and stuff like that into cars. And that was in the mid seventies, you know, early eighties that he was doing that. And so we had a lot of connections between Cleveland and Detroit. So it's exciting to, to get you on a show and let me introduce you to the audience. Jason, is the founder of Power Trades University and the Brown Report. He has over a decade of stock and options trading experience and is a podcast host and a YouTuber. Jason believes anyone can profit from the stock market, even if they've lost money before. They just need to know how to identify the best time to buy and sell and the correct option strategies that can supercharge returns and minimize risk. Jason helps people go from nervous beginners to confident stock and option traders. Jason, take a minute and tell us about the unique value that you are bringing to this wonderful world. Yeah. So Andrew, you know, first of all, again, thanks for having me on the uh, podcast. I'm super excited to, anytime I get a chance to share my message, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for that because I believe my message and my experience is not that unique. I grew up in, you know, a pretty poor household and came from a poor family background. We had love, we had food, but we didn't have really any money. And so part of, you know, growing up poor, you grow up curious, or at least I was, and I was curious, why do other people have more money than us? And so I remember going to my best friend's house and uh, he had a bed and I was like, wow, you have a bed. And he looked at me like, are you you know, of course I have a bed. And like we slept in sleeping bags, these little California raisin sleeping bags we slept in. And so I thought beds were for grownups because we couldn't afford beds for the kids. Right. And so that's what I mean when I grew up, you know, pretty poor. And so I really became interested in learning how to invest because you always heard like, you know, people invest to make money. That's how they get rich. And so I really became interested in investing. And once I really learned, how investing works. You ask, you know, what's the value that I bring? Well, once I learned how investing works, I was like, number one, I was mad because nobody would explain it to people that look like me or came from a background like me that didn't have a quarter million dollars in the bank. So I was upset that no one explained it to me. And I said, if I ever figure out how this works, I'm going to share what I find with people, how it really works. 
And number two, once I found out how it works, I was like, how come they don't explain it so that regular everyday average people can understand it? So that's like my superpower and what I bring to the marketplace is I take a complicated subject and, you know, I break it down and make it simple. And I think it's because I came from a simple, humble beginning, but I also, you know, graduated through the ranks of corporate life. And so I kind of like to say I'm a corporate thug. Like Mm. I understand how the thugs talk and I understand how they talk in corporate. And I kind of can blend the two worlds and make the regular average everyday person understand in layman terms how to invest in the stock market. Yeah. I I was just thinking about my story was that my parents kind of made me poor when I was 18, when they said, get out of the house and we're not paying for your university either. And I was like, okay, what do I do now? And I went to work in a factory and I was working on production line. And then I just took any job I could get over the years, making minimum wage for a while and then scrambling and figuring out. And, but the one thing I figured out was that I am never going to be able to get ahead if I don't get some sort of education. And even when I went back to school, I, I got a grant from the state of Ohio to go to Akron university and I still didn't really take it that seriously. I, I didn't get particularly great grades. I just was like, I was just stumbling around, you know, and somehow something eventually triggered in me. But I can say that I wasn't, you know, and my parents never talked about money. So though, you know, they did okay for themselves, but they never talked about this is how you do it. And this is how you, my dad was a salary man working for a company. So it's like, go get a job. You know, that's how you make money. And so I felt like I had to learn it all, you know, on my own. And and I had a lot of fear because leaving my parents' house and really not having any support from them, I just was like, this can all fall through at any moment. And so I know that that is one of the big things that we got to overcome when we're investing and trading is the idea of fear too. And how do you protect the downside to a certain extent, but then take the risk and overcome the fear? I'm just curious, like, how do you help people who have a fear-based mentality and they're afraid to take a risk or they're afraid to do it, even though they may be able to profit from it? Yeah. And so to really share how I help people get over fear, I think the audience needs to understand where I came from and how I became to invest. And so let me just take the audience back to where, like I said, we grew up poor, sleeping and sleeping bag, and trying to figure out how to make money. I'm 18 years old. I graduated from high school. And in my community, graduating from high school was like a celebratory thing because some some of the kids either were dead, in jail, selling drugs. Not everybody made it through high school. So I remember talking to a friend recently and they was like, is that a thing? Like you celebrate high school? I'm like, oh, that's big where I'm from because like most people don't get through high school with all the trials and tribulations. And so I graduated high school and we had our our open house and I got $2,000 from my graduation open house. And I go to invest. I'm like, I want to invest this money because I hear about how like, oh, if you would have put $2,000 away when you were 18 and came back in 20 years, you'd be a millionaire. And so I'm like, how come everybody doesn't do that? And so I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I go to a well-known bank. I give them $2,000. I'm like, girl asked me, what's your goal? I'm like, I want to be rich. Like, why else do people do this? She's like, so you want aggressive funds, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm 18. I want aggressive funds. I want aggressive growth. So I give her my $2,000 and I go on my merry way. I'm in college. I'm working for Sprint PCS, making $8 an hour, working all my weekends away. I go back two years later. I'm like, how's my investments doing? It's down to $700. 
So now I'm like, I could have lost my own thirteen hundred dollars. That's <laughs> I exactly done what that I myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what happened? And I said, I thought you'd come to the professionals because they don't lose money. And then I said, I could have lost my own thirteen hundred dollars. So I said, give me the seven hundred. I'll invest it myself. And so I took seven hundred dollars. I spent two hundred dollars on some gym shoes, and I had five hundred dollars left. And our stock at the time, Sprint, was five dollars a share. I'm making $8 an hour on a Saturday, a $64 on the eight hour shift. I'm like, if I could just, it's $50 after they take taxes out. So mm-hmm. I'm like, if I could just make $50 from my money working for me, then I won't have to work Saturdays. If I could do that once a week. So I did like most of us do. I bought stock in the company that I work for, Sprint PCS. So I bought it at $5 and immediately I was watching it and it just hovered around five. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately after I bought it, it started falling down to $4. And I'm thinking like, okay, this doesn't work. Maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am. But then you hear people say, you got to be patient. You got to wait for the long term. So then the stock starts to go back up to $5 from four to five. I'm like, okay, I just needed to go to 550 and I'll make my first 50 cents, which is $50. And I'm on my way to not working Saturdays anymore. Stock falls back down to four again. Now I'm pissed. I think the stock market's rigged. I'm like, that's why they get your social security number. They got your IP address. They know exactly where you bought it at and they won't <laughs> let it go any higher. At least that's what I thought. So now I'm like, the stock market's rigged. I'm convinced it's gambling. Stock goes back up to five. I said, I've seen this before. And so I was like, I'm going to get out at five. And when the stock fell down to four, I got back in at four. And then when the stock went back up to five, I got out at five and I made $100. And so when I made my first hundred dollars, what I didn't realize was that was called a channeling stock pattern. And if you draw that out on a piece of paper, it looks like kind of a snake in the grass. And so that was my first introduction to like what other patterns out there exist that I don't know about. And so I start studying these patterns and I get really good at flipping my little five hundred dollar account. And so that was my first introduction to reading charts and understanding that you can see the best times to buy and the best times to get out of a stock on a stock chart. And so that kind of plays into how do I teach and help people manage risk? Well, that was my first introduction and knowing that you could see the risk on the chart and understand there's a low risk time to buy and there's a high risk time to buy and there's a low risk time to sell and there's a high risk time that if you don't sell, the stock may go against you. And so after I made my first hundred dollars, I got really good at flipping my account. And I said, man, if I had more money in the account, I would be like rich. And so I was like, how do I get five or $10,000 in the account? I had a scholarship to Mike Illich School of Business, Wayne State University here in Detroit, Michigan. Mm. And I knew, I saw my friends getting like student loans and their payments back and they would go shopping on them and they would buy clothes and party. And so I was like, man, I wonder if I apply for the student loans Will it kick in after my scholarship and I get the refund? And sure enough, I went to the financial aid office. I was like, how does this work? Do y'all pay with the scholarship first? And they confirmed what I thought. And then I got a $10,000 student loan refund check back. So at 21, I put that in the stock market and I grew it to $113,000 as a 21-year-old kid. And the reason I bring this whole story up is because of your question about managing risk. If you really look at my story and pay attention, the first thing I did to assess risk was I started learning about stock charts and understand that there's patterns. The second thing that I did with assessing risk was I went and investigated 
the student loan. How does it work? Will they pay this mm. first? And, and will I get a refund check back? And then I knew like it was low interest debt and that the interest rates didn't kick in until four years after I graduated or something like that. And so I was like, I really got four years to use this money and try to flip it in the stock market before I had to pay it back. And so part of managing risk is number one, being educated and knowledgeable about what is the risk? What is the reward? How does this affect you if you attempt to do this? And then get knowledgeable about the industry that you're going in. Like for me, it was the stock market. Learning how to read those stock charts was how I minimize risk. And then understanding the ramifications of borrowing that money and how much I can make with it was my first real introduction to managing risk. Because I'm like, okay, what's the real risk? If I lose this money that I borrowed from a student loan, it's only $10,000. I'm like, I'm sure I'll make $10,000 again in my life to pay it back, number Mm -hmm. one. Number two, I don't pay interest on it for four years. So I got four years to figure something out. And I was like, but if I'm right, I'm rich. And which at that age, I was right. I flipped it into $113,000. So just being able to analyze risk and make a logical decision was a very big part of being able to take calculated risk when it comes to money and investing. Mm. And before we get into the big question, where is the best place for people to follow you and learn more about, you know, what you do and what you're talking about? So on all platforms, um, the Brown Report. So on YouTube, the Brown Report, Instagram, LinkedIn, I'm Jason Brown, the Brown Report. But if they want one central place, they can just go to the brownreport.com and they can get mm-hmm. all my social, my podcast and everything from there. So that's the brownreport.com. Great. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah. So it's a continuation of the story I was just telling you. So once I grew that account to $113,000, you know, I'm 21. I think I'm smarter than everybody. I made a six figure income without having a degree, without having a job. And so I drop out of school and I'm go full time trading for the next two years. Right. So three years total. Year number three, I grow the account to about three hundred thousand, but I'm I'm living off some of the money, so it's about two two fifty. Mm. And I'm like, I'm gonna buy a condo downtown Royal Oak, Michigan. I'm gonna pay cash for it. These condos are like five hundred thousand dollars in the high rise building. It's like if I could pay cash for it and still have two hundred and fifty to trade, that'd be ideal. So I risk a qu- so this is my, here's the worst investment, but mm. it turned out to be my best at the same time. I risked a quarter million trying to make half a million. And I actually lost it all. Now, when I didn't lose it all at once, in fact, I was up $100,000 in that trade. And I was like, that's not enough. I need to make half a million. And that's actually where the sand on my shirt comes from, which is you never go broke taking the profit because I was up $100,000. And I'm like, all I had to do was that four more times I would have had my money. But I was like, I got to make it all at once. And in one trade, so I ended up blowing my entire account. That was my worst investment at the time because I already had a good life, already had a nice place to stay. I had a nice car. I didn't need to risk my entire account to try to buy some condo cash. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't smart. And so that made me lose everything. I had to sell my car, move out of my place, move back home with my mom, move back to the place I hated that had bars on the window. But it became my best investment because... I realized like later on in the moment, I wasn't like, you never go broke taking a profit. I actually was like, okay, you know, I know the stock market works. 
do I really want to give up here? Is this the end of my story? And I started thinking like, what would Warren Buffett do? And I'm like, I'm sure Warren Buffett has lost $250,000 before. And I'm like, if he quits, he never becomes a billionaire. He never becomes Warren Buffett. So I'm like, if I quit, I never become Jason Brown. And so this is the part of the story where it became my best investment. But because I lost it all, I had this crazy idea that I was going to record myself making the money back. And so that's actually how my YouTube channel started. I recorded myself getting back into the stock market. I went and got me a job selling cell phones again, this time for Verizon. I based my lifestyle off the hourly and I was taking my commission checks and I was using them to get back in the stock market. And I was documenting my journey of making this money back. And as I started making the money back, people would ask me like, how did you know what stock to buy? How do you pick them? Stuff like that. And then I remember saying to myself, I know how to get a quarter million in the account because I had done that before. I was like, how do I get a million dollars in the account? And I was like wondering, I start seeing people have courses and different things like that. I was like, I wonder if people would pay me for my stock market education or advice. And that's actually what led me to start you know, my company, the Brown Report and Power Trades University, where I taught people. So all of that kind of spurred from that worst investment of losing all my money, having a bright idea to videotape myself, making the money back which also led me to starting the company and helping a ton of people along the way. Mm. So how would you summarize the lessons that you learned? Well, the first lesson I learned was you never go broke taking a profit. So like <laughs> if you're up, it's better to just take that money off the table and go into your next investment with the house's money versus trying to make everything at once. Another lesson I learned, which I teach our students, is that there's no one trade that'll make you rich but there is one trade that will blow up your entire account. Mm. And so sometimes people think, I just need that one hot stock. If I can just get that one thing, I'll go to the moon. And it's like, there's usually not one trade that's going to make you rich, but there is one trade that'll blow up your account. That was one thing that I learned as well. The other thing that I learned is, you know, we have the, I'm part of an entrepreneurial group called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, and I'm part of the Detroit chapter. And we had the pleasure of having Amanda Knox who, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with her story, she was a young lady who was in Italy or France, you know, learning foreign language or culture. And her roommate was in, ended up being murdered and she was falsely accused and spent, you know, four years in prison. And so she, so she came to talk to us. And one of the things she said was like, you are better than your worst day. Like, just know that you are stronger and better than your worst day. and at the time when I lost a quarter million dollars, I had to move back home. I thought life was over. And I look back on it now and I'm thinking like, man, I'm better than my worst day. Cause that was probably the worst day I had mm. in the stock market in life. I doubted myself. I went through depression. I questioned if I was smart as I thought I was, or if I was just lucky, you know, I just went through all these different emotions and moving back home after you've tasted success, which is super painful. But now, you know, for me now, when I go in to risk a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, a quarter million when I'm trading, it's not that big of a deal now. Not because that's not a lot of money, but because I survived my worst day of losing a quarter million. So to me now, it's like, oh, I got the play blueprint. I would just get a job. I would live off my hourly, get some commission, and get back into the stock market. And so, like now, I'm not afraid of taking calculated risks because I've had what. I hope was my worst day behind me. I, I, I'm not looking forward to anything topping that, 
Mm. But I learned so much from that. I learned how much more resilient we really are. We think losing money is the end of the world. But the reality is, as long as you got your health, you got a roof over here, you got some food, you got some love, you got all your brains and your wits about you, you have another opportunity to make it back. Money comes and goes. Mm. Mm. Maybe I'll I'll share two things that I take away. The first one is don't get some kind of unrealistic or even just any obsessive goal of what you want to achieve. Like, I, I want to do this. I want to make this money in this time, you know, in the markets, you know, that just puts an unnecessary pressure that is eventually going to blow up. And so if you want to buy a new car or you want to buy a condo or something like that, don't tie that to what you're doing in the market because it's already an emotional roller coaster to add in some supercharged thing, I think is a mistake. The second thing is the idea of, you know, your worst day. And my my worst day probably was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I was basically on a, a one-way bus ticket from Akron, Ohio, by my parents when I was young to say, you got to get sober, you got to get clean or else, you know, you can live down there in, in Louisiana. And I was 16 at the time. And basically I had a serious drug addiction and had already been through another drug treatment center and it didn't work. And I was, you know, I can just still remember vividly getting on my knees in this bathroom, in this evaluation unit of a treatment center when they told me that we're not going to admit you in and therefore tomorrow we're going to release you out on the streets of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I knew there was no ticket back to Akron and Cleveland area where my parents were and I had no money or anything. So it was going to be, you know, a street fight for sure, <laughs> figuring out how to survive. And yeah. I was on my knees and uh, somehow the next day they changed their mind and they let me into the rehab. And it was at that point that I count as my sobriety date, which was 41 years ago, September 15th. And wow, so congrats. that was, yeah, that was my my low. But there was another one when I left my parents' house and they kicked me out after I got sober, but they were like, you got to go. We're not going to go on your roller coaster ride. So I had nothing. And I was working for $3.35 an hour at a factory. I drove a little moped about an hour every day there and back. But the one thing I had was I had sobriety and I had good friends. And though my parents kicked me out, I knew I still had love. And I had, I was so happy, Jason, at that time. Like I just was enjoying life and I was enjoying being free of drugs and alcohol and just, just doing a work a day thing. And so when the 1997 crisis came here in Asia and I was in Thailand and I was riding high, making good money. We had set up a factory. We were making, roasting coffee and selling it in Thailand. And I was an investment banker. And then this storm came. I lost my job. Our factory basically almost collapsed. My best friend who was running it while I was working as an investment banker was, you know, trying to keep the business alive. And you know what we did? We basically moved into the factory and we cleared out one of the rooms that was an accounting office, put two beds in there, like we're back at university. And we just battened down the hatches. And it was it was painful for sure to go from a high down to that point. But the basic, the thing that I recall at that time was I could go back to the time when I had literally had nothing. I was making $3.35 an hour. I didn't have an education, but I had love, I had friendship, and I had myself. And I can say that I was able to detach money from happiness and say, it's hard and I've lost a lot, but I've got my friendship, 
I've got my family and I've got self-love and therefore I can survive. And so I know what you mean by, you know, our worst days define us, but also let's grab power from having faced what you faced, going back home, having to go back in your mom's house, you know, having to go back to square one, but to videotape yourself coming out of it is, you know, impressive. So those are some of the things that I take away from your story. And I shared a little bit of mine, but anything you would add? Yeah, I think, you know, you're spot on as far as like, you got to just remember, you know, you came in this world as a baby and all you needed was like shelter, food, some love. And somehow along the way, we start to think a car, a house, a watch, clothes, you know, all this stuff somehow has, we've been led to think we need it and we're nothing without it. And the truth is we die without it. Right. And so just having people remember that as long as you got breath, you're still alive on this earth, you got love, you got a roof over your head, you're okay. And even if you don't have a roof over your head, if you still have your health, there's shelters, there's different things like that. You have an opportunity to turn it around. And when you think about it like that, there's not so much pressure to find the next stock trade, find the next investment, make a half a million dollars, take some cal- some risk that you don't really need to be taken. And so I think that's important for people to know. And I know you said you shouldn't have some type of risk tied to a goal of yours. I think it's okay to have an astronomical goal, but I also think you need to be okay with the astronomical risk that if it don't work out, I wasn't okay with the astronomical risk. I only saw the upside. I was like, this is going to work. I'm going to buy it for half a million dollars and I'm going to be the young player of the town and his 24 year olds condo downtown paid cash for it never dawned on me that like, what if I lost all this money? <laughs> like, <laughs> I never really stopped and thought about that, <laughs> you know? And so I think people should stop and think about, I'll give you another example. We sell courses and coaching and different things like that. And sometimes people think like, It's expensive to get a coach. It's expensive to pay for a course on the stock market. But unfortunately, I see people with a $50,000 account who's like, I'm going to do it on my own. And then they come back in six months or a year and like, I blew up the whole Mm $50,000 account. And now I'm like, and you thought a $2,000 course or program was expensive? Like, you would have had $48,000 left, you know, mm-hmm. or they're like, I got 10,000. <clears> if I invest a thousand or two in the course, I only have 8,000 left. And then they go blow the 8,000 trying to figure it out. And so it's so like, one of the lessons I just want people to think about is like, it's riskier not getting the education. It's mm-hmm. risky not having a coach, a mentor, or the right information. You know, we'll go $50,000 in debt to go to school to learn from people who don't even work in the field. They're just reading it out of a book. It's theory. But we'll go in debt and we'll pay fifty grand to hundred grand for a degree to get a piece of paper to get outdated information. But then we'll come over here and say, I want to be rich or I want to have my money work for me, a concept that you have not been taught your whole life from kindergarten through college. You have not been taught how to have your money work for you. But that's the one area people want to skimp out on with education, where they want to say it's too expensive to learn. I'll do it on my own. And we kind of need to change that mindset. We need to make 
personal development, coaching courses, the normal and not so abnormal. That's like, I wouldn't pay for that. I can do it on my own. It's like, yeah, you kind of wouldn't go to a doctor who was like, I'm not paying for school. I watch some YouTube videos. I can work on you on my own. You wouldn't do that. But for some odd reason, when it comes to investing, whether that's real estate, stock market, whatever, we always feel like we want to do it on our own, which, right. you know, I don't mm. get that. So based on what you learn from this story and what you continue to learn, let's think about, go back in time to the moments that you were, you know, getting into this worst investment What's one action that you'd recommend our listeners take if they're in that same situation to avoid suffering the same fate? I think just stop and take time to think. Like I said, I didn't think I could, I didn't think about losing the money at all. I only thought about the upside. Had I stopped for a minute and just thought, I might've said, you know what, Jay, you did really good growing this account on your own. Why don't you go buy a course? Why don't you go see if there's a coach or a mentor? It never dawned on me to get a coach or a mentor. I'm just like, I'm killing it. I'm great. I'm smart. I should have, I've grown, like I said, I grew to a hundred thousand the first year then up to 300,000. You would have think I could have took 20 grand and spent it on a mentor mm. or some coaching program. I still would have had 280 left, you know, or well, I had 250. I still would have 230,000 mm. left. And so you say, what could I tell people who are in that situation or might be in that situation? Just, just stop. Take a moment to think and also seek out mentors and help and do your research on the mentor, right? Because every mentor, you know, I know people are so worried about being scammed and different things like that, but there's so much information on the internet. There's so much that you can learn about a person out through LinkedIn and follow mm -hmm. them and see who they get a good idea of who they are for the most part. But stop, think and consider is there someone that's a little bit farther along this path that could potentially help me? And whether that's you paying for them to help you, or you may volunteer your time, say, hey, mm. I can't pay you. Is there something I can do? I'm really good at baking cookies. I'm really good at yep. vegan food. I know you're trying yep. to lose weight. Can I cook vegan food for you and try to help? Can I offer you personal training? Can I, you know, you might be good at something. Can you offer something? It's not always money, but mm. the point is you're trying to think of a creative way to get around somebody that's a little bit further than you and humbling yourself that you may not have all the answers. And so that's that's what I would advice I would give to young Jason mm. or anybody that may be in that same situation that are that had a little success and they might be thinking they know it all or someone who knows that they don't know it all. Mm. Why not get the proper help to come out the gate in the first place? And real quick, I'll say this because my best friend plays golf. And one thing I know about golf coaches is one of the questions they ask you is, how long have you been playing golf? And I thought like, well, why do they ask that? Why do they care? And they care because they want to find out, have you developed any bad habits and how <laughs> much of a headache is going to be to help you break the bad habits so then they can actually start teaching you how to swing. And so I want people to think like, man, why don't I get some help before I start developing the bad habits, before I start gambling with my money and buying meme stocks that I saw on Reddit, why don't I get some help and learn how to do this the right way coming out the gate? Yep. Well, next question is what's a resource, either of yours or any others that you'd recommend for our listeners? So I'll give you one resource that's not mine and one that is mine. One resource I recommend is Think and Grow Rich, the book Think and Grow Rich. A lot of times we think making money is about if I could just learn this one skill, if I could just learn this one tactic, 
I teach thousands of students. And even though some of them have the skills and the tactics, a lot of time what's missing is the mindset, the belief that they can do it, the belief that they can be right on their investments. Like you, you grow up your whole life and someone tells you what to do from kindergarten through high school. Then you get a job. Someone tells you when to come, when you get paid. And now for the first time, you're in the matrix where it's like you can make as much money as you want. You can invest as often or as little as you want. You can decide and take control of your financial future. And that's foreign to people. So I would recommend them getting Think and Grow Rich, reading that book and start to believe in themselves. From a tactical standpoint, we have free resources on our website. One is called the Stock Market Starter Pack. And that pack teaches people about how to start reading stock charts, how to open your first account, when to buy and when to sell. And then we also have some called a stock option starter pack because we use options, calls and puts so that we can make money when the market's good. But more importantly, like right now, the market's falling and I've been in put options. And so where most people are like it's a bad day, I'm like, I just made twenty thousand dollars from the market falling because I'm using put options. And so. The Stock Options Startup Pack, we have both of those on our website at thebrownreport.com. So those would be two resources. Got it. And last question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? My number one goal for the next 12 months, I'm working on a book. And so my number one goal is to complete that book so that I can help many more people. So I'm really excited about the book that we're working on. It's about my journey from going from broke to a millionaire in about five years. And so the book ideally, we have a program called Five Year Millionaire, but we're writing a book to complement the program. So the book ideally when it drops will be called Five Year Millionaire. So I am really excited about and focused on getting the book done and out into the hands of the world of the people who need it in the next 12 months. And that is always a challenge. Books are a great way to focus the mind. So Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. As we conclude, Jason, I want to thank you again for joining that mission. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I just leave people with you never go broke taking a profit. So (laughs) when you're up, take the money off the table. (laughs) Beautiful. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today. We added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.